Now we have 15 minutes, and I want to devote this section of time just to interactive Q&A about the material I've talked to, uh, I've talked about. If there are any confusion or questions or whatever, we have a hand already in the back uh, for the first question. Hi, thanks. My name is John. <clears throat> um, just a quick question. I think I'm following you on the on. Pardon on me. I'm thinking I'm following on what you're, you're you know, what you're talking about, but I came across this you know, this verse, Second Corinthians two thirteen. I think Paul was uh, was talking about trust, and he said, I had, "I had no rest for my spirit." Can you talk about that verse a little bit? Yeah, in first in Second Corinthians, Paul said, and this has been brought up to me before. He said, "I had no rest for my spirit." I think this is just a straightforward reference to himself. Uh, it doesn't say I had, that the Holy Spirit gave me no rest. He was just simply saying in the vernacular of the time, I, I did not feel comfortable with this. Now, what was the content of his no rest in the Spirit? The Titus, I think it was Titus, right? Titus wasn't there. Where's Titus? Oh, I want to be with Titus. So I think we should just understand that in a straightforward sense, that he was restless and unsatisfied in that circumstance. No, 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 I, I want to be with Titus, so I'm not going to do this thing. I'm going to do that. It's just like when I get an opportunity to work, people say sometimes, um, why don't you stay over an extra day, and uh, we'll take you around, show you the sights, and that kind of stuff. And, and I think, you know what I think? I said, you know what? I want to go be with my family. I just want to go, I'd rather be with my family if I'm going to spend an extra day doing that. So I don't have rest in my spirit. And so I, and this is, I think, an important little lesson, I do what I want. Paul did what he wanted there, and there was no indication that in doing what he wanted, he was somehow outside of God's will. Now, we'll talk about this more tomorrow, about the place that our individual um, personal desires play in this. But I'll just give you an advanced note on this. They play a big legitimate part. Paul saw an opportunity. He said, you know what? I don't want to do that. I want to go to be with Titus. And off he went to Macedonia. So that's the sense I would take that. Yes, sir. Uh, following up on your comment regarding the inner peace, you had mentioned Colossians 3 as the passage that most people use. And, and you talked about the outer peace and the inner peace. You mentioned real briefly about the Philippians 4, 6, where be anxious for nothing but in prayer and supplication, right. but, which refers to the inner peace. That's correct. And you didn't expound on that. You said people would mostly use this verse, and then I, you didn't say anything about this. I didn't expound this. on that because it is a reference to personal peace, but it has nothing to do with decision-making. Yet, it asks, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be, be made to, right. known to God. So those requests could be... All of life, you know, what do I... Oh, absolutely. There's no right? question Right, about and that. so then the result of that would be peace. So could people use that? Well, okay, well then, it, what do you think the point Paul is trying to make in the reference to peace in that passage in Philippians 4 then, with regards to the requests? What do you think the connection is? Surrender. Surrender. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. My phone is buzzing right as you're saying this, so I'm distracted, and you said surrender. Well, look, it. let's just go over that. Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, that is, in those things you might be anxious about, don't just be anxious, give them to God. Tell God about them. Make your requests, make your supplications with God, with thanksgiving, and then let it be. And then... Okay, okay and then, so then the, the peace, peace comes. of God will guard your heart and mind. 
So is there a suggestion that the piece is connected to the requests so that when you make a request and you feel the piece, then that means the request you have asked for is going to be granted? Is that, what, well, is that the point he's making? Could that be used as a Pardon point me? of guidance? Like if you don't have peace, then it could be an indication that he's it, not. It's, but that's not what he's talking about. I, I, I think what you're doing is you're reading into this. Here's okay. what Paul says. You're anxious, don't be anxious. You've got things you're concerned about, you take them to God. You leave them with God. Does that mean that God's going to do what you're asking him to do? No, you're asking for no, guidance. No, you, you're asking for it. He, you're taking the things you're anxious about to God. Uh -huh. Once you leave it with God, Paul says, then you, you're, you will feel the peace of God. That's all he's saying. You leave this with God, you experience the peace of God. He is not saying that the peace is a sign about anything that you requested. It is what happens when you do what God says to do with your anxieties. Except the so you're anxious oftentimes about, you those anxieties about. have to do with choices, right? Say again? Those anxieties have to do with choices. No, not necessarily. Well, it could they be, though. Be. It says in everything. So it could be all kinds oh, of things There could be choices. That, yes, absolutely. Right? But so, it's not choices per se. It's anxieties per se. That's re related to the choices. In some cases, but not all. Right. So in some cases, can it be, as you're trying to make this decision, A or B, and you're exploring these things, and you have a piece about this one, but not on this one? In some, in some cases, you may be laying your requests that are A or B, but Paul is saying it is the act of laying your quests before God that brings you peace. He is not saying that peace is a sign that you do A or B. It's not even in there. Well, okay, let me explore that some more then. Pardon me? I will explore that some more. Thank you. I, I didn't hear what he said, but... Oh. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I, to me, this just is a classic example of reading more into the text than what is there. He, he's not saying anything except for that when you lay your anxieties before God, even if some of those anxieties have to do with decisions, that the peace that you get is a sign regarding one decision or the other. It's not. Pardon me? Pardon me? The result of doing that will guard your heart. Yes. The guarding of the heart, the peace is guarding the heart with regards to the anxiety. It does not say anything about which direction that God, that, that God is, go, you need to go with regards, a regarding a decision anxiety. It's just simply inviting you to take your anxieties to God and leave them with Him. That's all it's saying. It doesn't, look at, should I, Okay, how about this? Let's just say you're anxious about whether you should go to school A or school B. Okay, so reading Philippians 4, you say, Lord, I'm anxious about school A or school B. I'm laying this request before you. School A or school B, and you feel peace. So is it school A or school B? Is it school A or school B? The text says, lay your request and you'll feel peace. It is not answering the question. The peace isn't answering the question. The peace is what happens when you put it in God's hands. Now, it may still have to be answered, school A or school B, but peace has nothing to do with which answer you choose. There's no, that, that's, that isn't in the text. 
So uh, you may still disagree. That's fine. So I gave it my best shot. You know, um, <laughs> I, you guys can make your own decision about. It. Next question. So Greg, as, oh sorry. Uh, as you were making these Bible references, now I grew up in a predominantly Chinese Mandarin-speaking church, and uh -huh. our pastor often would get up on the pulpit and say, well, the Chinese translation is better because, and he would explain why it's better. <laughs> now, it's interesting because as I have a Chinese dual uh, uh -huh. uh, version of the Bible, so as I was looking at the verses you're quoting... Well, look, in the original Chinese, let me just make this clear. <laughs> in the original Chinese. So, well, no, I was reading the Chinese, and it actually supports what you're saying. It's actually, as I read both... Con, you know, uh, yes. translations, the Chinese is actually more clear. It actually, even in the uh, question of Philippians 4, 6, and 7, yeah. it says the peace comes from bringing it to God and laying right. it at feet, not about the decision. Yeah. So I guess part of my question is, is that something that, because the English translation is just not as precise as the original whatever language? Uh, well, what? th sometimes that can be a problem. I do not think this is a problem in Colossians 3. Because I, I, what I've tried to do, and, and I, maybe I didn't do a good job, but I'm just trying to, without any Greek helps, without any other commentaries, can't, let's just read the passage. And on its face, doesn't it seem obvious that the peace being talked about in Colossians 3 is the harmony between Christians that Paul is campaigning for in that whole paragraph and not a feeling of peace that has to do with decision-making? And I, I don't know. I, I suspect that most of you see that quite clearly. It's not tricky. It just has to be read in the context, and it, it kind of explains itself. So I think you're right that sometimes a translation may make it a little bit more uh, um, obscure what the, what's going on there. Um, so that could be a problem. But I don't think that's the case here. I am glad to hear that in the Chinese translation it is even more uh, obvious that the context is speaking of something else. But um, that's a good point. Thank you. Okay. Yes. My question is, yeah, I agree that sometimes, oftentimes, we maybe we're too obsessed over finding the will of God, finding exactly what God wants us to do. But as you go over your talk tonight, I can't help but think of a couple of questions. And I don't know if you had time to answer all of them, but one of them is, so then what is the role of intercessory prayer? Or what is, how about, is this view that you're proposing, I don't know, can be somewhat deistic? Um, Some, something Deistic. Oh, yeah. Well, I do get that comment a lot. And see, this is really interesting for me. So, um, I'm sorry. I have one more. I'm sorry. And then lastly, how about the, the role of the Holy Spirit as our okay, now, teacher? I mean, I'll, I'll, okay. I answered this question this afternoon in the smaller group, and I get this question all the time. And, and this isn't quite exactly as you're putting it, but uh, it, it's the, it's the, it really is the way it comes to me. People are saying, wait a minute, you're saying that the Holy Spirit is not going to tell me what, I should, what decisions I make in my life. Well, then what does the Holy Spirit do anyway? So what this communicates to me is what people think the Holy Spirit does is one thing. He tells you what to do. And if I say he doesn't do that, then he's out of a job. He's unemployed. Now, what, what this tells me, and again, this may not be your situation, is that Christians have no understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit biblically. Because the only thing they think they know is, is, is mistaken, and they don't know other things that it, it, the Holy Spirit actually does. Now, I suspect if I start listing them, you know, say, oh, yeah, that, that, and that, that. But that isn't the thing that you're thinking about. 
The Holy Spirit regenerates. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. All right? The Holy Spirit gives gifts in the body. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts as He wills. Um, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. It brings comfort to us. The Holy Spirit illumines Scripture to us. So it's, it's the illuminator. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. You take any systematic theology and go to the chapter on pneumatology or the Holy Spirit, and you will get a breakdown of what the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit does. But see, questions like this are evidence to me that lots of Christians have very little biblical understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit, and that concerns me. Now, you also asked the question about intercessory prayer. Um, and in, the, in this talk right here, uh, this longer version, these are CDs of From Truth to Experience. So I took an hour to kind of haphazardly go over the material. In this one, I have three hours for this material, and I gave it to a graduate class at Biola University, and there was a long Q&A afterwards, which are all rec recorded on here. So this is a much more ro robust characterization. You might want to consider getting it. During the Q&A, a guy got up and he said, okay, well, so no, what you're saying is God doesn't answer prayer. And I said, how did you ever get that out of my presentation? And I asked the audience, how many people here heard me say or intimate that God doesn't answer prayer? I had never suggested such a thing. But people get the impression that this is what I'm teaching, and so they ask the question. So I'm not surprised at the question. Um, what is the role of intercessory prayer? In intercessory prayer, we ask for things. We intercede on behalf of people and things. How, I don't see how the role of intercessory prayer prayer is, is hampered at all by anything that I've said, unless one thinks that the role of prayer is to ask God to tell you what to do. And if God is not committed to telling you all the, making all the decisions for you, then that, that kind of prayer is going to fall on deaf ears. But I don't, that isn't my, that isn't the content of my intercessory prayer. I pray for my wife, I pray for my girls, I pray for the circumstances in our life to be a certain way, for God to act in certain ways. I pray for you, for these sessions and your understanding and, and uh, my effectiveness in communicating. All, I pray for all kinds of different things that are on my iPhone under the prayer app and all these people I'm praying for. And not one of those prayers is in the least bit hindered by my understanding that God doesn't make my decisions for me using these techniques as ways of getting the hints the things he wants me to do. It's, they're, they're two different worlds. So, but, but this is similar to the question about the Holy Spirit, because, and again, I, I don't know if this is where you're coming from, but it, it suggests to me that people believe the Holy Spirit does one thing and prayer entails one thing. The Holy Spirit tells you what to do and prayer entails asking the Holy Spirit to tell you what to do. And then, if I'm saying that doesn't happen, then people don't, don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do, and they don't know what to do with their prayer life. Our prayer life should be much more expansive than that. And I suggest that you take a look at the outline on our website at str.org on the New Testament and prayer, and, or maybe do your own study and what the New Testament says about prayer. Be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication. Make your requests known to God. So there's a, a directive there. Find out what the New Testament says on prayer and then use that as the guideline. But I don't see why anything I've said needs to hamper anybody's intercessory prayer life at all.
Okay, well, thank you very much. Time. Tomorrow morning. More to we, come. More to come. Tomorrow morning. Sir. <laughs>